Wonderful. Hey, good morning, everybody. Wow. I like that song. Uh, You like that song too? Out of the mouths of babes and all that. Is there a um, a link through to a crèche, Darren? Is that all up? So you know, if if any babies do feel unsettled, there is somewhere you can go and hear what's going on in this in this room, and then we'll come back to it. And, uh, and then come back to us just later when we get all noisy again, which we will in a little bit. Wow, God's good. Um, I'm supposed to be doing a really kind of quite practical vision talk this morning, but I was sat in, in bed, and while, um, while Vicky's watching Graham Norton... <laughs> oh, there you are. Hello, darling. Isn't she pretty? She's pretty. She's got skier's thumb at the moment. It's a proper injury. What an adventurer. Bear grills, Vicky grills. And I'll get beaten up later. So I've told you I don't mind it at all. Um, uh, what was I saying? Oh, yeah, Vicky was watching Graham Norton. And I'm, I'm reading the Bible. You can just imagine us, can't you? You know what I mean? And there I am seeking the Lord. And, uh, and I'm sitting there reading, and kind of my talk gets all a bit messed up. So I'm going to share with you my messy talk. Is that okay? Because actually, it's more about seeking God, ultimately. I'm still going to throw some, some vision story bits in there. But really, ultimately, where I want to get to and why I've come on early is because I want to be off by half past at least, because I want us to worship God together. Um, because we, we were made to worship him and know him. And that's the heart of our church together, isn't it? And so, so we're going to do that. And thank you, hosting team. And thank you, Mark and the worship team. I just walked in and messed up everybody's plans. But um, we don't mind. Well, I don't mind at all. Um, okay, have I got my... You can pop that up and we'll see if I can get it working here. I want to talk to you. Hey, who was here last week with Dwayne White? It was, it was good, eh? Um, time to go over the top. Time to uh, step into all that God has for us. And um, that really lines up with, with a lot of what various people that, that are sensing what God's doing in this season. And what I've been sensing is there's, there's been a season of restriction limitation. I'll explain why a little bit later on. Um, uh, but there's a sense where the limitations are coming off and that we're stepping into a new place uh, corporately, but we need to look for that together. And um, uh, so, uh, just to set up a little premise, really, and, and um, I'm going to tell you a couple of stories and show you a few pictures, just to inspire you about who we are and where we come from. But just here's a little thought for life, okay? Let's see if this, if this is going to work. There you go. It's worked. Did you do that or did I do it? I did it. Oh, man, power. Thank you. You never quite know. Now, I haven't got a clue what the middle thing is, but let's pretend it's a little oak, all right? You got... <laughs> all right. Before all the horticulturists come and tell me off for leading people astray. But we've got an acorn and we've got an oak at either end, so let's pretend that's a little oak coming through the ground in the middle, all right? Who cares what it is? It could be poison ivy for all we know. Um, uh, this is how life works. And, and the, the, but the Bible follows this principle as it teaches us how to how to see life 
Uh, there's a seed, there's a sapling, and then there's full splendor. Everybody say seed. seed. Everybody say sapling. sapling. Everybody say full splendor. Um, things are going to start in your life by a seed. And the Bible talks, one of the things the Bible talks about with the seed is the word of God being planted in us. God speaking to us and revealing something and putting something in our hearts. Who's ever had a word from God? Right? Lots of you. And that was a seed to plant in your heart. And Jesus teaches in the parable of the sower, you're to guard it and to allow it to germinate and grow and create the environment in your heart for the word of God. Because God is going to make something out of what he places in you. And so you'll find this in life. You have seed moments, prophetic moments when God speaks. Then you have sapling experiences, foretastes, initial concepts. And uh, often we love them. Sometimes we, we didn't even like them because they're not fully formed. So they seem like half-hearted versions. Who, whoever gets a word from God and you think, wow, that's all going to be done within two weeks. <laughs> and who's got tw who 20 years later is still going, mm-hmm sapling, right? And it's still, God, God takes a long time to germinate his purposes in your life. I always think of it like this, when you're downloading software, the bigger the software, the longer the loading time. Everybody say loading, right? Life is loading at times. And so you're going to go through seed, you're going to see sapling stage, and then you're going to have the full splendor. I believe as a church, we're going from sapling to splendor in the next season. We're going from we've had the word and we've seen some foretaste and some versions of what he said, but the full splendor is yet to come. Anybody with me? Come on, say something spiritual like yabba dabba do. And here Isaiah 61 says this, they, that, that's, that's you, me, they will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. Do you see where I get the splendor from? The end result is splendor. Turn to the person next to you and say, hello, splendid one. <laughs> Turn the other side and say, you're looking splendid this morning. We don't use the word splendor enough, do we? We don't say splendor enough at all. So let, let, me, let me in five, ten minutes give you a few moments where the seed turned to sapling in the life of our church, because I'm expecting a splendor version of some of the things that God has said. You with me? In 1996, I was flying to South Africa. Uh, I was on Air Sudan, which is not the best airline in the world. Sellotape on the wings. <laughs> Outside toilets. <laughs> luggage on the roof rack. You've heard that story before, a lot of you. <laughs> Same old jokes. And... Uh, <clears throat> I was doing a night flight because it's good. You can't see the gaffer tape on the wings at night. So we're flying down, and I awake in the middle of the night, and I have a vision of the glory of God. Is the only way I can describe it. I saw the fire of God's presence. And I lay there terrified uh, for five, ten minutes, and then I just fell asleep again. Landed in Johannesburg, met my host, started doing the meetings I was doing, and the meetings were, were, were all good. In fact, some of them were, 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 were remarkable. I was like, wow, this is, this is extraordinary. But... The, the more extraordinary thing is what God was showing me at night and while I prayed and things like that. And he showed me his glory sweeping the United Kingdom and Europe and God's presence coming to hit our nation and this continent in ways that it had not done before. 
uh, God, and it's been prophesied many times over by many prophetic people through the years, some of them going back hundreds of years and some in more recent history, that there's a work of God to be done in our nation that we've only scratched the surface of. There are prophecies by church greats like Smith Wigglesworth who got everything else in this particular prophet, uh, uh, prophecy accurate. And then he says a revival would come that would, would eclipse the Wesleyan and the Welsh revivals. And if you know what they were like, well, God was moving. Church is more than singing songs and listening to sermons. It's not just about pastors and, 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 and projects. God wants to come and rest in his church. And be among us. The extraordinary, the different thing about church is that we're not a social club. We're a house for God together. Extremely imperfect people. Extremely imperfect leaders. And yet God, by his grace, comes and says, can I come and live among you? And some would say, I felt God in that room where you were. It was a yes. Well, the most precious thing about us is not our music or our preaching or our leaders. It's that God dwells among us. And there were several phrases that God said to me, uh, some, sometimes audibly, sometimes virtually audibly, where you don't, you're not sitting there thinking, I wonder what God is saying. This is when God comes to you. And in the Bible, they use phrases like, the word of the Lord came to me. And God said to me, one of the phrases he said, and, and when I say it, I, I take myself back there to this moment in God's presence. He said, the greatest auditoriums in the land will be filled. And that was a prophetic seed sown into my heart. And if you know some of our history, about 15 years later, things began to happen like we took the City Hall and, and the Methodist Central Hall and then Doncaster Dome. And these were seed moments of God coming and moving among us. But can I just tell you, um, that's a sapling there. There are moves of God's spirit yet to touch our nation. There are things that God wants to do. And, you know, people like, um, uh, Rachel Hickson came and, and said over us, um, there's something different about you guys with revival. It's not just that you long for it. There's an authority for a move of God in this nation, on this house. There's something on us to say, we want to declare God is coming to the church and the nation in unprecedented ways to touch royalty, to touch politics, to touch the media like never before. And we've, I, I heard, I, I received the seed in 1996 and many others in different ways before that. But then there's the sapling. But listen, guys, splendor is yet to come. And let me tell you, we're, we're booking splendor, we're planning splendor, we're praying splendor, and we're saying, God, we want your spirit to move through this nation and give us opportunities and ways to do that. And if you're around in that period, you know it was an extraordinary period of God's presence in our lives and God moving among us. Another one of the things that God showed me was city centers and marketplaces and shopping centers where crowds of people gather. Chris, you just turned up at the right time to see your picture. <laughs> We're filled. And this is, this is, it's a, it's a good, you take so many good pictures. He's so photogenic. It makes me a bit pig sick. You know, it's just, it's just brother's envy, but I have to work so, as soon as a camera goes on me, I'm like, oh. Does this work? You know, and Chris is just, you're so cool, man. And, you know, the picture on the right, I saw that in 1996 on a caravan in John Bassman's back garden. And I saw city centers, not just with people singing songs and praying prayers and, and preaching the gospel, but the glory of God hitting groups of people. In that crowd there, people are giving up crutches. 
People are leaving behind Zimmer frames. Uh, hearing aids are being taken out of ears and deaf ears are being heard. I'm uh, opening. I remember my mum sat next to someone probably in Paula's. Where's Paula? Wave your hand, Paula, if you're in the room. Hey. You've moved sides. You're normally over there. Um, <laughs> And, and the lady sat next to you and the hairdressers were saying, I was walking through town the other day and these youngsters prayed for my deaf ear and it opened. I mean, we saw dozens upon dozens upon dozens of deaf ears open. I saw, when, now, I'd been at the Holiday Inn chatting to some of our guest speakers and when Chris was leading this in the open air and we just said, Chris, you know, go for it, do whatever, try and you know, see what God does. And I remember walking past Prince's Quay and I see this crowd of six, seven, eight hundred people, and Chris is up there, and he's turned into Benny Hinn. He didn't have the, didn't have the quiff, evidently, you know, but, but he had the words of knowledge, and, and people are being healed. And, and I remember somebody walking up to me at the back of the pack, and I'm just watching this going, I saw this 15 years ago. And I was at the back of the pack, and uh, some guy walks up to me and said, I got a bad back, so I prayed for him. He went down in the spirit in, in Victoria Square, so I, I, I walk away. <laughs> I met him about three years later, he was completely healed. Somebody else walks up with a phone and says, I got my friend who's got a bad back on the other end of the phone. Would you pray for her down the phone? All right, yeah, okay, is she a Christian? No, all right, this will be interesting. So I'm there in Victoria Square on someone else's phone going, hello, um, my name's Jared, nice to meet you. So I've been asked to pray for your bad back, is that okay? Yes, uh, where are you? Well, I, I thought I'd move to the lavatories and I'm, I'm just in a cubicle right now. And you've got a bad back. Yes, I've got a bad back. Well, I'm going to pray for you, a normal Christian prayer that Christians have been praying for hundreds upon hundreds of years, just simply to ask Jesus to heal you. And I begin to pray, and she starts to go, ooh, hey, ooh, what's that? Oh, it's getting warm, it's getting tingly. I didn't know if the air conditioning had changed or whatever. And God touched her there in the lavatory. I saw that in 96. It was a seed. And, but listen, I want you to understand, Revive, that's a sapling of where we're going. And in fact, actually, that kind of thing is beginning to happen around the nation right now. There's remarkable things going on. Not just preaching the truth or singing songs, but the presence of God touching uh, hundreds and thousands of people. Uh, there's our future in all of this. And uh, what else? God showed me in 1996, he showed me um, um, miracles hitting primetime television that miracles are going to be broadcast, the gospel is going to be broadcast. And something's stirring in the media world, I don't know if you've noticed it, in the celebrity world right now, with God. But even then, so where's Sandra? Here, Sandra, I'm sure I've seen you. Hello, Sandra. Look, I hope you don't mind. I, it took me about 17 takes to get you not pulling a funny face. You know what it's like when you... But I was, I was so respectful, I kept going, because I could have put awful, you should have seen the ones of me, though I'm cross-eyed and all sorts. So... so. And this here is a BBC education program, and it was broadcast on BBC Two. And it's GCSE students study revive when it comes to the area of healing. Is it possible to believe God is revealed by healing miracles? And uh, I can't remember her name. What's her name? Jo Josie? Something like that, anyway. And, you know, we've been blessed to reach our nation through the media. Let me just say, sapling. Yeah. Just the beginning. What is full splendor going to be like? I've got some stuff that I sh probably shouldn't talk to you about yet, but there are opportunities coming up for us to reach this nation and say, our God is alive. He's moving among us. The church is not just a, a social club. It's not an aging social club. The church is alive and well, and God is moving among us. Amen. So listen, seed, sapling, 
full splendor. You can look at your own life and go, seed, what God said, sapling, a few attempts at it, and a few, it was kind of like it, but not fully like it. Uh, but keep going, because as you, as you see where God begins to favor you with your hopes and dreams, start to speak full splendor into what is just a sapling in your life today. God put a dream in your heart, then little attempts to begin it. Expect full splendor. Don't give up halfway through. Don't give up halfway through. God wants to do incredible things in and through your lives. Amen? And then, oh, I, I won't bother with, with, with this next one if it comes up. Oh, Jean Darnell prophesied in a remarkable, unusual way, fire from the Humber up through East Yorkshire in, in 2009. And we, we went then through a series of, of seeking God and moving forward, went from one location to where we are now, five locations, six, depending which way you count it, but five or six locations. And here we are right now saying 20 locations by 2020. And, and the practical is just so you, so you know that you've got to do practical things about what God says as it goes from sapling to splendor. But Steve Green has taken on the leadership of the Gould campus, and Jonathan and Lamia are devoting more and more of their time to pioneering new campuses. There's, there's stuff stirring, but we pray and we believe full splendor for a movement of churches filled with glory coming to our nation. Are you with me? Everybody growl. Children. God has prophesied and spoken to my life so many times about, now that's our school in Columbia. God has prophesied so many times about Vicky and I being surrounded by children. <laughs> now I talked to Vicky about this one, just to figure out the means to get this working, right? How it might happen. And, and I'm not convinced, do you, babe, that we're going to have 2,000 children of our own? <laughs> I'll be okay. I'll... There's something on this house for raising generations. You know, we touch around 2,000 children a week in Columbia, in our school here, through the youth work of New Life Support, through Little Angels and the hundreds of families that Emily's connected to. In fact, it's way more than 2,000 if you count it like that. Um, sapling. What could we do? If you took a generation of, let's just say for a moment, under 13s or under 11s, or you, you pick your age range, it doesn't matter, and you make your ceiling their floor. I say it again, this is what generational uh, fathering is about. Make your ceiling the highest we ever got in God. Let's make it their floor. So they start with deaf ears opening and people getting out of wheelchairs. So they, they start with the sense of the movement of God, knowing what it is to seek God's face and walk into the things of God. There's something regarding generations and children over this church. And I want to say this morning, that is a sapling. Let's expect to move into more and more of what God says. Amen? And you know, when recently... About three years ago, we went into a very, very different phase as a church when uh, I remember I received a whole series of prophetic words. And one of them was this, you're a fighter plane, speaking to us as a church. And God is about to, still going to be a fighter plane, but he's completely reworking you from one into the other. 
and you're about to go through a season of changing. I remember someone else walking up, complete stranger, and God says, there's an old hot air balloon and there's a new hot air balloon, and you're about to step from an old one into a new one, and then you go to new heights in God. I remember Rich Dixon, one Sunday night is when I heard it, prophesying and saying that, that, that revive was like a paper plane, but God was about to open it out completely and remake it completely. And who knows, we've been through a three-year remake as a church. I believe we've been, that's what the season of restriction has been about. It's a season of growth and of preparation. And we felt it as a family and as a group. Anybody gone through it personally? Right? And there's a remake going on and a preparation for the next thing in God. But I believe we're about to step in to a new place over the top. Uh, limitations loosed. Time to step in. Time to get this building built. And we're going to start to push into that. Seriously, in February, we're going to start to bring to you. Because really, we're getting close to the time now where the only thing left will be to raise some money and then we push in. But we're going to do that. Why? Because the season's upon us. If, if you're out of season, no matter how hard you push, it ain't going to happen. But when God says, now, it's now, it's now, it's now, the miracles start to be released and God begins to move. Everybody say, amen, or yabba dabba do or something. And then there's, there's one uh, last area, and this is where I want us to land, and we're going to seek God and, and pray. It's the area God said to me in 1996 again in South Africa, and I was seeing God move in ways that I'd never seen in my life before. And you know, I think, I think maybe if, if we've never tasted it, when somebody says, God move, we kind of want, what does that mean? And all I can say is, there is a moment when you know, and many of you in this room will know what it's like, God walked in the room and church turned into the house of God. That's what we were made for. God spoke to me about his glory resting on us and us carrying his glory to cities and towns and nations of what it is to be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord. You know what a, door, a doorkeeper isn't a minor job. A doorkeeper is, I know the way to the house. And, and, and friend and politician and celebrity, and rich person, and poor person, and needy person, and lonely person. Oh, here's the door. And they announce, John Smith, coming through. <laughs> right? And they walk into the presence of God. Something on this house with regards the glory of God. I love this picture. That's a city hall. And God just swept in. And you might be thinking, well, what are all those guys doing lying there? Have they drunk too much whiskey? That's, that's all right. That's what they said on the day of Pentecost. They said they had too much wine. The presence of God swept into the meeting. And we saw that again and again. And we've seen it many, many times, as many have, as the presence of God just comes in and, and overwhelms in a powerful way. And all over the Bible, you've got pictures of men and women touched by the presence of God. And actually, you feel physically overwhelmed by the weight of God among you. Um, now, this is where I come unstuck and where everything changed yesterday. Um, the glory of God is a sense of his weighty, heavy presence, his power, his might, his wisdom, his goodness. You can have the lightness of God. I love it when God is, is light. Anybody, peace and joy and lightness and fun and frivolity, nothing wrong or unholy about it. But also, God sometimes turns up and you go, oh, God. And it's like Isaiah, woe is me. Wow. God's in the room. And this part of 
our destiny that was born to know and to experience this. And I started to look at some scriptures yesterday. Let's see if it comes up. And, and they led me on a little journey that we're going to use to just launch and set a taster for the year ahead. And this is God and Moses talking and um, the children of Israel being naughty again. So he, just, he doesn't want to go with them into the, into the, or lead them into the promised land. And Moses again is saying, no, forgive them, come with us, be with us. And just listen, listen to this phrase. This is what caught me out. And just follow me now on this little bit of teaching journey. And this is what God says when he promises. Everybody say promise. So he's promising. He's making a, a covenantal a declaration. Um, and this is what he uses. He says, nevertheless, as surely as I live, God says, and as surely as the glory of the Lord fills the whole earth. Oh, I like that. I don't even know what it means sometimes, but I like it. You know when a scripture is just, ooh, it's like cheesecake. Mm. It's just right, isn't it? Forget the calories, it's just right. Amen. God bless you. Here's a thought. So I sat there and I read that and I'm like, okay, according to God, the glory of the Lord fills the whole earth already. Current reality. Are you with me? Current reality. According to God, the glory of the Lord fills the whole earth. I read Isaiah 6. and Let me read the full version. You've got the headlines up there. Let me read the full version. I turned to the wrong one, not Isaiah 60, Isaiah 6. He said this, in the year that King Uzziah died, Isaiah talking, he says, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him was seraphs, kind of angels. Each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces. With two they covered their feet. With two they were flying and they were calling to one another. He's having a vision of heaven. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. According to the angels in heaven, the earth is full of his glory today. Say, wow. Say it backwards. I mean, according to heaven, when God is sat in heaven and he's speaking to Moses, he says, the earth is full of my glory as surely as I live. In other words, this is a fact. The earth is full of glory. Then Isaiah visits heaven and he sees the angels singing and they're crying, holy, holy, holy. And what's their perspective? The earth is full of his glory. Now, call me a realist, but I sit there going, well, where is it then? That's the question. Then you got this, this other scripture from Habakkuk 2.14. And it says, For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the earth. So hang on, is, is, it, is it full or will it be full? Which is it? Of course, the answer is yes. The glory of the Lord fills the whole earth. Isaiah visits heaven, experiences glory, and in heaven they're saying, the glory of the Lord fills the earth. The glory of the Lord, let me work on you, fills East Yorkshire. The glory of the Lord fills Goole, Hull, Bransome, Sutton, Hedden, Anlaby, Willoughby, Beverly. The glory of the Lord fills the countryside of East Yorkshire. The glory of the Lord fills the nation. The glory of the Lord fills the northeast of England. God's glory, according to him, is over our region and over our nation. But then it says this. The promise is the earth will be filled with the knowledge. In other words, he's there. Who's going to step in? 
In other words, right here in this room, we can either go, I'm sat in a creative arts theater in a school in Kingswood on a, on a, a funny metal seat or a nice red one, and there's some song singing and a, and, a, and, a, and a preacher and the kids are being looked after next door and we're all, it's all, that's what's happening. Or we can go, God is in this room. You see, to God's eyes, my glory is all over your region and nation. But the knowledge is yet to fill the earth. In other words, who is going to be the one who presses through to know what God has released in the heavens? Jacob encounters the presence of God. He has a dream lying on the ground and he wakes up and he says, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the gate of heaven. And he says he was afraid and he was unaware that God was there before. But now he had broken through the membrane of his dullness and encountered God's glory and he was a changed man. Imagine it, God's glory is over the whole earth, but we know that Moses built a tabernacle and God's glory visibly rested there. He was everywhere, but rested there. There was a geographical point where somehow the the membrane between heaven and earth broke open and you could see the glory of God that was there in the other realm. Elisha's servant said, I can't see it. Elisha prayed and it says he saw the chariots of God in the skies and the fire of heaven. There are things going on in the heavenly realms around about us that we cannot see. But God would put it this way. My my glory is over your family. But have you broken through yet to release the glory of God? And say, I was not aware of it, but now he's here. I didn't know he could be here, but now He's here. What about the temple? They build a temple. They dedicate it to God. And suddenly the glory of the Lord is revealed. And there's a cloud of his splendor, his goodness, his might, his eyes, his heart placed in that place. Why? Because they built an altar. They built a temple. They built a place to meet God. Am I making sense? There are people that somehow have broken through to go, okay, the glory of God is everywhere Let's make this a place where that realm bursts into this realm. Who's ready to make a place where that realm bursts into this realm? And people leap out of wheelchairs and depression lifts. And our children are touched by a move of God that changes them forever. No youth club will really change your child until the glory of God floods and touches that place. And they go, God is not song singing. God is not youth leaders. God is not good moral behavior. God is in this room. That is what changes you. I sensed God in the room. Are you with me? What about Luke 9? Jesus takes Peter, James, and John. Come with me to pray. Takes them up a mountain. And all of a sudden, the two realms collide. And just that earthly realm of the gown he was wearing and the things that he needed to eat to keep going met with the fact that he was the son of God. And even his clothes began to shine as bright as lightning. Somehow the two realms came together. I'm here to ask you today, do you want to be someone where the two realms come together? And you don't say, I know church. You say, I know God. And you become a doorway for people to encounter God. What about Acts chapter 2? Jesus sat down and he poured out the power of his spirit. Why? So that we start to go from glory to glory to glory to glory. And we begin to experience the knowledge of the glory of God. Not the theory, 
We're worshipping God who's afar off somewhere. And we're sure he's holy. No, the reality of God is in my home. God is in my workplace. God in my car. God on my walk to work. God on the bus. God with my kids. God is moving among us. His goodness is real. His power is interested in every part of my life. That's what the glory of God is. God, we want to know you. We want to know you. Am I making any sense? And so you get stories like Edward Miller, the great Argentinian revivalist who saw God turn Argentina upside down with millions upon millions saved as the glory of God hit the nation. He turned up a church, at a church in Australia and um, they had had a great move of God years before. This man knew the presence of God. And so you could say he knew how to pierce between the realms and go, come on God, move among us. And, it, and, and the story goes, I remember I was driving Tommy Tenney to the airport and I, I thought, well, I've got four hours, I'm going to make the most of it. And I said, Edward Miller, do you know him? And he said, he was one of my great friends. So I was like, tell me every Edward Miller story you know. And, and Tommy was halfway back to America when he texted me, he got Wi-Fi on in first class. He texted me saying, that was the best conversation I've had in years. I'm crying as I think of Edward Miller and all he saw. Anyway, Tommy told me this on the way down. He said, Edward Miller walked into that church, hundreds of people there. They had had a move of God several decades before. And he just stood at the front and he could sense God was still there. But no one in the room knew how to connect with the fact that God was there. And Edward Miller just said this. Are you still there? And it's like God fell out of the sky. And a whole other move of God began. There's an anointing on this house to go, God, are you there? Someone comes up and says, my, my arm's hurting. Will you, will you pray for me and work? And you're the person. It's on this house to go, God, are you there? Someone having nightmares, the anointing's on your life to say, I'll pray for you. And you stand with them and say, God, are you there? That's who we are. And I could go after story after story. Let me give you several things that we need to do to shorten it. I love this scripture, Hosea 6. He will revive us. On the third day, he'll restore us that we may live in his presence. Let us acknowledge the Lord. That means experience. Let us press in to experience him and to know him. As surely as the sun rises, he will appear. He will come to us like the winter rains, like the spring rains that water the earth. When you press in to know God, it starts to rain heaven in your world. And you would pray prayers before about healing and nothing would happen, but now it's raining. And that deaf ear you prayed for would open and we've seen dozens upon dozens upon, that person in the wheelchair would get out and we've seen dozens upon dozens. That person in pain would suddenly be released from pain and we've seen dozens and dozens. What does it take? Someone who's gone, I'm pressing in to know the glory and the fullness of God. That's what rests on us. And there's three ways we press in. Number one, we seek and we long. Everybody say long. Oh, God. Um, if church is boring, you know what I mean? All the rigmarole of it and the, the organizational stuff. Dial back a minute and fall back in love with God. Because the dullness and the distraction of the world will steal your longing to the point where worship is boring to you. That's always my sign that something's wrong when I'm finding everything about church boring. I go, hang on a minute, there's too much church in my diet and not enough God in church. I'm gonna dial back and long for Jesus himself once again. I 
love you, Jesus. And I'm sorry that TV and busyness and friends and whinginess and Brexit and Trump have stolen my longing for you. You know, the stuff that, don't be taken up with all the nonsense of the media right now. You'll see very soon it's all much ado about nothing. Media is very good at stirring it up. It's how they sell papers and how they make you watch their channel. Fear drives it and gets little chemicals going in our brain that make us addicted to the hit of just one more interesting, juicy story. But get back to truth, God. All sorts of things can fill me up. They're fast food. I long for you. Second Chronicles says, if you crave God's face and require it of necessity, he will come and heal your land. You'll pierce the membrane between heaven and earth, and he will come. Jesus put it, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We long. Get your longings going. If you're bored, don't give in to yourself. Slap yourself. If you can remember what I said the other week, slap the inner German. (laughs) About three of you could remember that sermon. That was only two weeks ago. Confront the inner Rottweiler. You have to go and listen to the podcast if you don't get it. I'm not being racist. In other words, deal with the things in you that draw you from heaven. Don't wake up at 75 and realize I just wasted 40 years. Because there's a realm I never chose to notice. I'm like Jacob, but I never had my dream. Wake up. How awesome is this place? We long. The second one, we worship. That's what, that's what draws us in. Worship connects us. I remember one, one young man in the church, and he was, you know, like, like we can be really. You, 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 can, you can preach all the biblical principles of how to meet God, and, you know, but essentially if we sit there arms folded going, well, kind of whatever, nothing's going to happen. But as, 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 as God said to, to Cain, if you do what is right, will you not be blessed? I remember this one day looking around and here's this guy with his arms in the air, tears flowing down his cheeks, touched by God. And normally he'd be like, yeah, whatever. So I went up afterwards and said, what happened to you? And he said, well, all right. For the first time, I just thought to myself at the start of the meeting, I'll do what they say. (laughs) Yada, yada, yada. I'll raise my arms and I'll thank the Lord and I'll enter his gates with thanksgiving, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) Within minutes, the presence of God hit his life. He went through the membrane and began to experience the presence of God. We enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. We let our longings out. We focus on him instead of all the distraction and things begin to stir. We build an altar and heaven begins to stir. It draws God into our world. And finally, we, we seek, we long, we worship And then we put ourselves in a place of the outpouring of heaven. Deep calls to deep, Psalm 42, in the roar of your waterfalls, all your waves and breakers have swept over me. Remember being at the base of Niagara Falls in Made in the Mist, the the, the boat that goes out and takes trips. And there you are, you know, probably 20 meters, but it felt like 20 feet from the roar of the waterfall where the upper body of water hits the lower body and you hear this roar. And I remember stood there with all this water whacking me in the face thinking, this is what it's like to really meet God. Only he's more powerful. You put yourself in the roar of his outpouring 
and stuff begins to change and stuff begins to adjust in your life and things begin to happen that you never thought possible as the climate changes because you press in to get to know him. God, I want to know your presence. Now you might be saying this morning, but I'm a bit scared of the whole presence, Jesus. thing. Don't worry, I was at 19, I was scared. I remember God coming and there being a meeting in, in Hull and God's presence began to move and I ran out the door quick as could be. But I realized slowly, well, God's good and Jesus is kind and he doesn't manipulate or force. He's, he's my savior. It's, this, it's not a different Jesus. It's not, you know, you've got... Alpha Jesus over here, Anglican Jesus, and then, then you've got mad Pentecostal Jesus. You've just got Jesus. But he's powerful. And what I want us to do for the rest of the time we've got together, we're going to start with that song that we ended with. I want us to press in to know him. If we're going to go over the top, we're going to go over the top with him. You with me? We're going to go over, over the top, empowered by him. If, you're, if your family needs to go over the top in God, if your career needs to go over the top, you need the blessing of God in your finances. If your children need to go over the top, then we need to harness ourselves to heaven and say, there is a realm. His glory is available in my home right now. I just need to break through the membrane and know his glory in my home. I want to lie down and have dreams from heaven this year. Not nightmares, not night terrors. I want the thoughts of heaven over my children's beds, over my bed. I want to hear the voice of God. I want him to permeate the very walls where I live so that when people walk in, as they have done historically, even in some of our own lives, they go, what's different about this place? Well, it's a place where I've permeated heaven and earth and God lives here. God lives here. So band, would you start to, to maneuver into place. Now listen, uh, this, is a, this is a vision talk. The glory that we've seen is just a sapling. There's so much more to come. The last thing we need to do, because we've known times of God moving, it's kind of easy in the seed stage. You just talk about what you think God wants to do and everybody gets excited. When you've known the sapling... The greatest danger is we become familiar with the things of God and we just scurry on with our life on earth. Listen, and let me talk to leaders in the room. Leaders, I want you to lead the way on this for me, okay? We're going to seek God. We're going to worship God. And actually this song says, come to the altar, and I want us physically to come to the altar. And I want you to push through for God, for your family, for your home, for your hopes and dreams. And in doing that, we do that for each other and for the house, don't we? As we push through, leaders lead the way. I need leaders that will show people what seeking God is because it's a lost art in this modern world. We'll sing our songs and we'll say our prayers. But leaders, this house knows how to seek God, how to long for God and say, God, we must have more of you in our world.